This is the Brattlecast, stories about books, old, rare, out of print, the people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them, and a whole lot more, too. I'm Jordan Rich, along with Ken Gloss, the proprietor and the lover of books at the Brattle Bookshop in Boston on West Street, a legendary spot. you got to check it out when you come to town. So, speaking of coming to town, you go to towns all over New England, all over the Northeast at times with the trucks, and you find estates, and uh, here's one particular one. W- which state was this in? This was uh, near New Haven. In Connecticut. Okay, all right. So you're driving out there, you know there's a big hall, and there's a great story behind it. Well, not only, it was interesting even how we got called into it. Uh, There was uh, two men, they were married. Uh, One uh, had a book collection, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He had died, and his partner, his husband, wanted to sell it. And they called a bookstore in another city, and they said, yes, We'd be happy to do that, but you just have to deliver it to us, and then we'll work out the price. Now, the problem was he had about 25,000 books. <laughs> so at first he checked in, and he checked moving companies. And there there are actually a few moving companies that specialize in books, usually whole libraries. I mean, not personal libraries, but mm. public libraries, estate uh, or uh, universities, universities right. and so on. And they called him and they said, well, we can move it, but it's going to cost $35,000 to move the collection. And the woman there was from Boston. And she said, you know, that just isn't right. And she had known our store and said, get in touch. And she, she said, would you be willing to go look at 25,000 books? And I said, sure. No, <laughs> no problem. So we drove down and we got to this man's house. And when someone says they have 25,000 books or 30 or whatever – you always tend to doubt it a bit. I mean, a lot of people look at a, a room and they go, there's thousands and thousands of books. Well, anyways, he took us into the house and on the first two, first floor, and it was sort of a split level, there was a good number of books. And then he took us to another area and there was a good number of books. And then he took us to the basement and there were, yeah, we're going, yeah, this. 20, <laughs> maybe it's 20 or 20. You know it uh, when you it, it, was, it was there. Yeah, you know and then, then we made a bid on it, and he said, I have to think about it. When we got back to the store, we called him, and we upped the bid a little. We decided we can't let this go, uh, even though it's going to cost a lot of money for us to move it. We get back there a few days later to start. He goes, oh, I forgot to show you upstairs. I'm really sorry. Another five to 10,000 books wow. up there. So he said, well— my husband, he was very intelligent, very good, but he was a little bit obsessive about collecting books. He goes, I was obsessive about chocolate, but that you tend to eat. Right. <laughs> and you don't have collections. And, uh, and, and actually, the other thing about it is a lot of times when people collect large collections like this, there's a lot of junk. This was – it wasn't rare books for the most part. I mean there were a few that were a little higher – but it was just consistently good photography, good literature, good history, nice, some leather and illustrated books. And it was fascinating uh, going This, this gentleman, the deceased in this case, must have been a fascinating guy if he read even a third of them. Uh, well, and, and not only was he a fascinating guy, but um, he collected well. He cared mm. about the books. He uh, – it was also interesting, and some of the subjects that he had uh, were, you know, good literature, good 
uh, good books with illustrations, some nice leather bindings, some history and architecture. He was in, uh, an architect, I believe. But he also collected gay-oriented books. Now, it's interesting. They weren't necessarily, but if an author was gay, he collected like Truman Capote or that. So it wasn't like a gay, outlandish uh, it wasn't you know, gay-themed necessarily. It was just if, if this was because obviously that was a part of his life. Yeah. But there were a lot of really good and collectible authors in that. But the thing I said at the beginning, he was a little bit obsessive collecting 20, 25,000 books. The other thing he did, he must have gone to every signing that ever happened either around Connecticut or New York City because there was books signed, you know, not necessarily, again, high-priced, terribly valuable, but just, but he was obsessive. He would have New Yorker magazines signed if the author, uh, there were some of the books that he had, and he obviously went to signings where he'd bring a stack of the author's books. Mm. And there were a couple of uh, inscriptions there. I see you're back again. Oh, I'll sign again. A regular. And, and then I brought one to show the studio audience here. Yes, you, you me, Jordan. And I'll share with the audience and, and, my description. And, and what he did, if it was a book of short stories where you might have 20 different authors in the, in the book, he would have stickers. And now what he obviously did, one sticker would be sign here. Like you would a contract yeah, if you well, were a, a lawyer. Well, also it was a way for him to turn the page right to the yeah. place he wanted it signed. Okay. And then then he put a green – that was a yellow sticker. Then he put a green sticker when he got the uh, uh, sign, signature. This one happens to be Carl Hassan, Hyacin. And it was just – but you'd May see, I? Yeah, of course. This book that I'm holding is the Salon.com Reader's Guide to Contemporary Authors. I'm just looking at caricatures in the front – I think Stephen King, Amy Tan, Kurt Vonnegut, Salman Rushdie, Toni Morrison, maybe? Yeah. Okay, so let me open up to just any page that has a sticker on it, and let's see what we have here. Sign here. I love this. I love this. He's very organized. He's – and yeah. this is P.D. Uh, – oh, Kazuo Ishigura. Yeah. Uh, Not the, familiar with that. Remains of the Days, I think. Oh, Okay. P.D. James, I'm familiar with that yeah. author. But but any wow. if any of these authors showed up anywhere where he could go to a signing, so he must have been going to signings constantly. All the time. Because, I mean, this is one example. Oh, uh, my God, but, this is amazing. you know, the thing is, he tended to, we also think that he tended to collect a lot of the authors you'd see in the New York Times book review. Uh, and... Uh, Salman Rushdie's signature. Sal- Salman Rushdie's signature. So yeah, it's, it would have been cool to be a fly on the wall to see some of these people have, after 20 people have already signed this particular book. Oh, I'm one of 20, 21 now. Exactly. Must or, have been fascinating. Or I, we know that he had probably 10 or 15 books signed by Salman Rushdie, so he must have gone to the signing with these books. And uh, I think he must have been such a character that they all seemed to be willing to sign all of these things. Um uh, and uh, it's just fascinating to see what interests people. And then you start to say, gee, uh, it's, 
you know, this this became a hobby that you're going out, you're meeting interesting people, you have some place to go uh, and do things. Wow. The the other thing that is interesting is he would ask them to sign and date a lot of times, and they did, but he didn't ask them to personalize it. That was my next question because in, in the world of autographs, in sports, for instance, I've heard it both ways, but I've heard that you generally don't want somebody to sign it, if you're looking for value, to sign it to you because that diminishes the value. Does it have any impact on the books? In sports, it does because, in other words, if Ted Williams signed something to Ken and people prefer just the signature, uh, and I can actually talk about an aside to that, but in general, my feeling on writers is when you go to these signings, Usually a writer is fairly famous by the time they're doing signings like Mm, that. mm -hmm. And they do a lot of them because the publisher wants them out there pushing the book. I say, get it signed the way you want. 99% of them are going to be of no great value anyways. Uh, And if it means more to you to have it signed to Jordan... Uh, June. It would, it would absolutely mean more to me, and I, I don't care about the value to anybody else. It's the value to me. Right. And that, that's why the Sharpies were born. Because <laughs> well, they can. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the idea of having them all in one place in this particular collection is really cool. It, it was really cool, but I, the thing that really was cool to me is I could sort of picture somebody like that going out, getting the books. Saying, you know, looking up, maybe reading Publishers Weekly or going on the computer later and, you know, seeing wh- what author is touring here. What yeah, if you read uh, like Kirkus Reviews online or whatever, you, you get book notes and so forth. And uh, it, uh, now it's back after COVID. We're seeing these uh, author readings and so forth, which is great. And one, one, there was one shelf I didn't bring along, probably about 20 books Signed by one of the presidents who I think has probably signed more books than almost any other, Jimmy Carter. Well, not as president. Because he's been around for so long. He's been around for so long, and he wrote a lot of books. Mm. Uh, probably one of our greatest ex-presidents. Yeah, in terms <laughs> you know, of as accomplishments. As an ex Yes, in terms of accomplishments. But, you know, and you also, with someone like this, you don't really worry, is that actually signed by the person or the author or so on? Because most of these... He wouldn't have gotten any joy out of writing the name in himself. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, And and, and most of them, again, it was a hobby. It wasn't like he was doing it to, you know, make money or sell them later. Uh, When you were talking a little bit about the sports autographs, I have a friend who loves sports autographs, but he'll only get it from one famous sports person to another because he says no one's going to forge that. It's too much work. Exactly. <laughs> but but this man, you, I I would have loved to have met him. His husband was a wonderful man. Uh, couldn't have been nicer to work with and deal. It took us, my truck holds about 2,000 books. So it took us about 10 trips back and forth. All to right, let's it. just think about that for a second. 10 trips, New Haven to Boston is what, two hours at least? Yeah, two and a half hours. So people should know this guy really hustles you and your team, of course. Who, who accompanied you? Same uh, different, group? Well, different people on different, different trips. But also, each time you're doing that, you're boxing and carrying from either the second floor, the basement, 
uh, a couple of thousand. Who needs books. a gym membership when you've got <laughs> this gig? Uh, you know, it's funny. I have a gym membership, but it's more because the gym relaxes me uh, <laughs> than, than it is. Uh, one of the days it was pouring rain out, oh, and even though God. we could get close to the door, uh, it was hard. And some, one day it was hard to tell whether we got soaked from the rain or from the sweat or oh, from both ways God. at once. That's part of the job. It, and I only wish someone would call me with a collection that nice and that good and were friendly enough. And let's put it this way. Not only didn't he have to pay $35,000 to move the books, he pocketed a whole lot more than that. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we did the work for him. I think I have a new name for what you do, the book safari hunter. But, well, you know, you're on a tre- trek and, a, and an adventure of discoveries like Nat Geo. Well, Absolutely, right? or like Jim Hawkins on Treasure Island. Jim I mean, Hawkins. It's it's every, but that's one of the joys. It's every Absolutely. day, and and you never just, dull. Uh, just the other day, we got called. Someone said they had two hundred books and would have a few more for us afterwards. Get to the house. They had all two thousand ready to go, <laughs> and we were expecting two hundred. And they had very academic books. And the thing about that, they were good books. Academic books are really, really heavy. <laughs> I know we use them for doorstops here at the studio. <laughs> so, but but these this person was fascinating. He was nice. He had really fun things, and even to the point like he had some photography books by Maplethorpe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if who was had died, and obviously you couldn't get him signed. But if someone that he had taken a picture of was in the book. You could get that person to sign it. That, and that's what he did. Well, the stories abound about things that are bound, about books. And uh, it's another adventure in the life of Ken Gloss and the team at the Brattle Bookshop. Go to brattlebookshop.com, and I, I can't wait for the next adventure on the podcast for sure. Thank you, Ken, as always. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I love talking about books, and, uh, and I will continue. There's more stories. We're not going to stop you. <laughs> 